morning, everybody. Hey, how about that worship team this morning? Can we just give them a hand? Was that awesome? Wow. Great, great stuff. That new song is one of my favorites. I've been begging them for six months to do that song, and they finally, finally listened to me. It took six months. Great song. Hey, take out your Bibles this morning. Turn to the book of Ruth. Ruth chapter three today. We are in the third week of our four-week series through the four chapters of the book of Ruth. We're calling this Redeemer because God can turn anything around. As you're finding your way to Ruth chapter three today, we'll begin in verse one. Let me ask you a question by a show of hands. How many of you guys have ever seen one of these ads for a matchmaking site? You know, a matchmaking site, you know what I'm talking about? Okay, put your hands down. How many have ever used one of these? No, you don't have to tell us that. It's it's okay. You know, we kind of joke and laugh about that, but we actually have quite a few uh, God-honoring marriages in our church, and they met on a matchmaking site. This has become very popular. I did a little bit of research this week and found out there are over 1,000 matchmaking sites on the World Wide Web today, and so I checked out a few of the top sites, not for personal use, only for message purposes. I know some of you are like, well, after you told that story about your wife last week, you know, maybe you need a matchmaking site. No, she forgave me. All, all is good. But uh, here are a, t- a few of the top sites. So if you're single and you're looking for a match, these are like the top four sites. Zeusk.com, eHarmony. Uh, a lot of people use that. ChristianMingle.com. And then, of course, let's not forget FarmersOnly.com. Okay, so for you farmers out there that are looking for a farmer or farmer's wife, then and you can use one of these. Um, but we, I checked it out, 20 million Americans visit a matchmaking site every month in America. 20 million every month. Last year, we spent over $750 million in the U.S. on matchmaking sites. $750 million. Now today, we are going to see some matchmaking take place, but no matchmaking service is necessary or needed, just a very motivated mother-in-law. And her name is Naomi, and we, we, we've seen her in chapters one and two in this story. And so for those of you maybe that haven't been here for the first two weeks or you're new to Orchard Church, let me kind of catch you up. Let me also remind you, you can always go to our website, orchardchurch.tv, go to the message page. We always put the messages on there, the audio, the video, the notes, everything's there to catch up because this story, it's four chapters long, and it's intended to be read as one continuous story, but we're looking at a chapter each week for four weeks. So let me tell you where we've been in this story of Ruth, this story of redemption. In chapter one, this story opened up with tragedy. It opened up with tragedy. You had a man, his name was Elimelech, and he was married to a a woman Naomi. They had two sons, Malon and Kilion. They were Jews. Uh, They were part of God's people in God's land in the town of Bethlehem. And there was a famine in the land. Instead of waiting on God and trusting God to take care of their needs, they decided to take matters into their own hands. And Elimelech led his family out of God's land and God's people to uh, about 50 miles to the north to a place called Moab, which was a heathen land, heathen people. They served a false god. They were the enemies of God. That decision um, cost them dearly, and it was tragic, the consequences, because by the time you get to the end of chapter one, um, all of the men in the family have died. Elimelech has died. Malon and Kilion, the two sons, have died. But before the two sons died, they'd married Moabite women, Ruth and Orpah. So after 10 years of being in Moab in the heathen land, Naomi says to her daughter-in-laws, it's time for me to go back to Bethlehem, back to God's, God's land. And so she starts the journey about halfway through the journey. Orpah decides to go back to Moab, but Ruth and Naomi come in to Bethlehem. Last week, we saw them in Bethlehem in chapter two, and the tragedy turn, goes to a turnaround. We see a turnaround in this story in chapter two as Ruth decides to take a step of faith. Um, they're poor, they're destitute, they're widows, they have no one to provide for them. She takes a step of faith, gets up, gets out 
of her home and trust in the providential hand of God to guide her. She finds herself gleaning and picking up uh, food and harvesting in a, in a land um, that owned, was owned by a man named Boaz. You guys remember this? Bo. Bo. So when I do that, Bo. And ladies, remember Yep, okay, three ladies remember down here. So if I do that, you do the root thing. And so she, she finds herself in gleaning in this land on the, this piece of property by a man named Boaz. We meet him. He was the bachelor. He was one of the wealthiest mans in Bethlehem. He's a bachelor. She meets him. He's very gracious to her. He allows her to glean in her field. Uh, he, he protects her. He serves her. He provides for her. He's very gracious to her. And we see the story take a turn for, for the better. Now we get to chapter three today, and we're going to see what happens in the relationship relationship between Ruth and Boaz between good okay but chapter three in chapter one we saw a, a tragedy in chapter two we saw a turnaround and in chapter three today we're going to see a twist in any good love story romance drama there's a twist in this story that we're going to see so hang on and you'll see that coming in just a little bit let me remind you though before we jump into chapter three very important key fact that we saw in chapter two of ruth verse 20 whenever she met boaz naomi told her this that man is one of our closest what relatives he's one of our closest relatives of our family he's one of our family what redeemers. He's one of our family redeemers. Now that may not mean a lot to you guys, but it means a lot in this story. And it did at this time, 3000 years ago in this story. Let me tell you what the law of the family redeemer is all about. You have some notes there. You can jot a few of these things down. The law of the family redeemer was this, that the Old Testament law in Leviticus and Deuteronomy said, if a man was married and he had a family and he dies then that property usually gets sold off to someone else. But if someone in the family, a close relative of that man, a brother, an uncle, or a cousin, they could be the family redeemer. Redeem means to buy back. They could buy back that land so that that land and property would stay in the family once the husband had died. If you're with me, say yes. But also, not only would he inherit the land and the property and could buy that back, but if there was a widow in the story, he would marry that widow, have children through her, and so they could carry on the family name. So it was kind of like, buy the land and property, get a wife for free. That's kind of how, how it went. And, and Boaz in this story is a close relative of, of Naomi and Ruth. And so he qualified as one of these family redeemers. That's very important in this story. And you're going to see this play out today. Now, when Naomi realizes that she, Ruth, has met Boaz, she's like, he's one of our closest relatives. He's one of our family redeemers. We've hit the jackpot. This guy can turn everything around. This guy can save us. This guy can redeem us. And that's what's happening in this story as we go into chapter 3, just to catch you guys up. Let me remind you of this truth that I shared with you last week, because this is very important to this story, to us practically. Because this is not just a love story and a romance story and a redemption story about Ruth and Boaz. This is a picture of our story as Christians, This is a picture of our romance story, our love story, our salvation story, our redemption story between us and our Boaz. Because in this story, Boaz, the family redeemer, is a picture of our redeemer, Jesus Christ. Are you with me? 
And, and Ruth is a picture in this story of the church, of people who put their faith and trust in our Boaz, Jesus Christ. That's very key in this story to understand the depth and the beauty of this story and why God has put it in our Bible. So with that in mind, as we go into chapter three today, we've got Naomi, the matchmaker, who's trying to match up and get Ruth and, and uh, Boaz married, and she's going to try to deepen their relationship. And the steps that Naomi, the matchmaker, is telling Ruth to take to deepen her relationship with Boaz are the same steps we need to take to deepen our relationship with our Boaz, Jesus Christ. You all with me? Very important as we move forward today. So I hope you'll take some notes. If we want to deepen our relationship with our Boaz, we need to take the same steps that Ruth did. The step number one is this. You have it in your notes. How do we deepen our relationship with Boaz? Step number one, Ruth prepared to meet Boaz. Naomi, the matchmaker, is going to prepare Ruth to meet Boaz. Let's pick it up in chapter 3, verse 1. And it says, One day, Naomi said to Ruth, My daughter, it's time I found a permanent home for you so you'll be provided for. Now, I don't know why Naomi has decided that she wants Ruth to now have a permanent home. They've been living together. I don't know if Ruth was tired of living with her mother-in-law. We can understand that. Or if the mother-in-law was tired of the daughter-in-law living there, but she's like, it's time you move out, get a place of your own. I need to get you married off. So she kicks in the matchmaker mode. Then she reminds her that, okay, I've got one guy over here. Come on, guys, stay away. Reminds her that Boaz is a what? Say it, church, is a close relative of ours. He's a, he could be a family redeemer. He says, Boaz is a, she says, Boaz is a close relative of ours, and he has been very kind by letting you gather grain with his young women. He's been very gracious. We saw this in chapter two last week. Now watch this. Things are about to heat up. Naomi says, the matchmaker to Ruth, tonight, Boaz, he will be winnowing barley at the threshing floor. He's taking care of his harvest. He's, he's separating the wheat from the chaff, and he's, he's taking his harvest. And she says, the mother-in-law to Ruth, now do as I tell you. Sounds like a mother-in-law, doesn't it? To the, to the daughter-in-law. Now do as I tell you. But before we give Naomi too hard of a time as the mother-in-law, let me point out something here. Just like Boaz in this story is a picture of Jesus Christ, our Redeemer, just like Ruth is a picture of the church, I think Naomi here is a picture of the Holy Spirit. She's guiding her, helping her to deepen her relationship with Boaz, just like the Holy Spirit in our life draws us to a deeper relationship with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It's also a reminder to us, God can use anyone, even a mother-in-law. Just going to throw that out there, okay? So the mother-in-law says, now do as I tell you. She's preparing Ruth to go meet and present herself to Boaz. She says, first, take a bath. This is just a good dating tip. If you're going on a date, take a bath. Good, good, good practical tip. Put on perfume, another good tip. And dress in your nicest clothes. I'm preparing you to meet Boaz. Then go to the threshing floor, but don't let Boaz see you until he has finished eating and drinking. Be sure to notice where he lies down. Then go and uncover his feet and lie down there. Now this has got some of y'all's attention. This is getting interesting. He'll tell you what to do. She responds to her mother-in-law, I will do everything you say. This is a mother-in-law's wish right here. I will do everything you say, Ruth replied. So she went down to the threshing floor that night and followed the instructions of who? Of her mother-in-law. And so you see what is happening here is Naomi the matchmaker saying, we're gonna take this relationship, as my pastor friend Anthony Milas says, to a whole nother level. 
Things are about to heat up. Now, last week, we introduced Boaz, the bachelor. We talked about the TV show, The Bachelor. Is it just me? It sounds like in chapter three that now we have a fantasy suite. As Naomi is encouraging Ruth to change her clothes, put on perfume, dress really nice, take a bath. And it's almost as if, picture this in your mind. As the matchmaker sets this up and sends her at night to lay at his feet and get ready, it's almost as if you can hear the music playing in the background. Naomi, the matchmaker, is playing some mood music to set the scene and make this match. If you listen real close, I think you can hear it. Yes, 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 yes. Is it okay if we have fun in church? Is it okay? All right. If you don't like having fun in church, you're probably in the wrong church, all right? We keep it real. I want you to set the scene and see what's happening. But before you get too carried away about this fantasy suite, let me set some context here. This was a Near Eastern custom where if you had a family redeemer, you could gracefully present yourself to that family redeemer in a righteous, virtuous way. This is not an unrighteous fantasy suite, as we're going to see in chapter 3 as this plays out. And let me say this to some of you single men in here. You're like, oh my goodness, thus saith the Lord. This is in the Bible. I'm praying that I'll wake up and a young maiden will be laying at my feet. Prepare. This is a Near Eastern custom. This is not going to happen in Colorado, okay? So cool your jets, men, all right? But she prepares her. Naomi, the the matchmaker, tells her to be prepared. How does she prepare her? First of all, she says, take a bath. Now, this was rare in the Middle East because water was scarce. You'd only take a bath ever so often when it was a special occasion. This was certainly a special occasion as she had an opportunity to meet her Boaz and present herself to him. She also told her to prepare. She said, anoint yourself, put on some perfume. You know, go get your favorite bottle of perfume. This would have been very costly. This was a very special occasion. So she probably said, you know, to Ruth, go get your favorite bottle of Midnight and Moab. Put some of that on. You've taken a bath, anoint yourself. And then she said, take off your old clothes, your dirty clothes. You've been working out in a field and put on your best clothes. Get your favorite little black dress. And put that on. This is a special occasion as you're about to meet Boaz. But you know what I love about this? Remember the picture. This is a story of us preparing to meet our Boaz. And I believe with all my heart, according to the Bible, I believe we're living in the last days today. And that the rapture of the church where Jesus Christ is going to come back and he's going to rapture the church, his bride, the bride of Christ, he's coming for us. We need to be prepared to meet our Boaz how, do we, how should we prepare spiritually? The same way that Ruth prepared in this story. We need to be prepared by being clean, by taking a bath. How do we do that spiritually? The Bible says if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and what? Cleanse us of all unrighteousness. Amen? We can confess and make things right, be prepared to meet our Boaz. The Bible says that we need to be in the word of God because when we get into the word of God, the word of God gets into us and, and we get washed with the water of the word of God. Just like Ruth prepared to meet Boaz, we need to be clean, washed uh, from our sins, prepared to meet our Boaz. She also told her to anoint herself with perfume, put on some perfume. Anointing a perfume in the Bible is a picture of the Holy Spirit. And the Bible tells us that we need to be prepared to meet our Boaz by being anointed with the Spirit, by living in the Spirit, walking in the Spirit, which pleases the Lord as we prepare to meet our Boaz. Are you with me? Say yes. 
is a beautiful picture. And then just like Naomi the matchmaker told Ruth, you need to take off your old clothes, your dirty clothes, and put on new clothes, your best clothes. In the Bible, salvation is always pictured as a change of clothes, putting on the garments of salvation, taking off the old life, putting on the new life to be prepared to meet our Boaz. Isn't this a beautiful story of our story, church? This is our story. This is our redemption story. Get it this way in your notes. The Christian life is about taking off the grave clothes of the old life and putting on the grace clothes of the new life. And this story of Ruth and Boaz is a beautiful picture as she prepared to meet Boaz. As she prepared. Are you prepared to meet Boaz? Your Boaz, Jesus Christ? My, my pastor growing up used to say this all the time. I've never forgot it. He said, heaven is a prepared place for prepared people. Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you. But Jesus is prepared for us, but are we prepared for him? Have we prepared our life? Have we asked him to be our Lord, our Savior, our Redeemer, our Boaz? We need to be ready to meet Boaz just like Ruth was. She prepared. Step number two, Naomi, the matchmaker, had Ruth prepare to meet Boaz. Step number two is this. Ruth submitted to Boaz. Step one, she prepared. Step two, Ruth submitted to Boaz. Let's pick up the story in verse seven. And it says, after Boaz had finished eating and drinking and was in good spirits, he lay down at the far end of a pile of grain and he went to sleep. This was customary because this was his livelihood. This was his wealth. He's protecting his grain. So Naomi knew he would be doing this. That's why she sent Ruth there. Then Ruth came quietly, uncovered his feet and lay down just like her mother-in-law told her to. Around midnight, Boaz suddenly woke up and he turned over and he was surprised to find a woman lying at his feet. And he said, thank you, Jesus, hallelujah, glory to God on high. I'm reading between the lines, okay? He says, who are you, he asked. It's dark, he can't see. Who are you? Ruth's gonna respond. I am Ruth, your servant. Okay, that's my best Ruth. I don't know, that's really bad. I am your servant Ruth. There we go. I'm your servant Ruth, she replied. Spread the corners of your covering over me, for you are my, let's say it together, church, you are my family redeemer, my hero, my man, my redeemer. That's what she's saying here. She's submitting herself to Boaz. She's laying her life at his feet humbly and saying, here I am, I'm yours, take me. She, she's saying, will you marry me? That's what she's saying. Now, she's, as she's submitting herself to Boaz, you know, men love this kind of stuff, you know, got a woman submitting to the man and laying at her feet and all this kind of stuff. And we love to bring up submission in the Bible, like Ephesians chapter five, where it says, wives, submit to your husbands as unto the Lord. But we often forget some of the surrounding verses of Ephesians chapter five that says this, that husbands and wives are to submit one to another. And let me remind you that before Ruth is submitting to Boaz and laying at his feet, last week in chapter two, Boaz first submitted to Ruth. He first bowed down to her feet. He provided for her. He loved her. He cared for her. He encouraged her. And they are now, she is responding to this submission. Boaz submitted to her first like our Boaz Jesus first gave his life for us. We know in this story that it says he's a godly man. He's a righteous man. He's a godly man submitted to the Lord. Why is that important? Here's what I found to be practically true in, in my life and watching marriages. Women submit to men who submit to Christ. Isn't that right, ladies? Women don't struggle to, to submit to men who are submitted to Christ, and that's what is happening here with Ruth. 
Boaz is a man of God, a righteous man, submitted to the Lord, and now she's submitting to him, but he submitted to her first. It's a mutual submission. What's the picture for us? Here, it's simply this. Are we submitted to our Boaz, Jesus Christ? Have we submitted everything to him? Have we laid our life at his feet like Ruth is submitting to her Boaz? Have we, I think what happens in our life is we say, well, Jesus, you can have this part of my life, but you can't have this part of my life. You know, you, you, you can have my, my health, but you can't have my finances. You know, you can have my marriage, but you can't have my kids. And we pick and choose. And our Boaz wants us to submit everything to him in the same way that Ruth is submitting all of her life to her Boaz. One amen would be encouraging right there. Just one. I'll just take one. It's a picture. Are we submitted to our Boaz the way Ruth is submitting to her Boaz? Now, I know what some of you may be wondering right now. Like, this seems a little forward of Ruth to come and present herself and basically say, will you marry me? You know, why didn't Ruth wait for Boaz to propose to her? Well, there's a couple of reasons, I believe, that we can see in this story. Number one, Boaz probably didn't propose to Ruth first because as we're going to see in this story, he was much older than her. She was a younger woman, and he probably thought, she won't want to have anything to do with me. I'm too old for her. She's going to want one of the younger men. The second reason, I believe, very clearly why he didn't propose to her first is because he knew, here's the twist in the story, that there's another man. There's another man. Let's watch as we get introduced to this other man. So Ruth is taking steps to be prepared to deepen her relationship with Boaz. How is she doing this? Number one, she prepared to meet Boaz. Number two, she submitted to Boaz. Number three, Ruth listened to Boaz. She deepened her relationship with Boaz because she was willing to listen to Boaz, and he's going to tell her about this other man. Watch as she listens in verse 10. The Lord bless you, my daughter. He, he responds to this after she's basically said, will you marry me here? I, my life is, is yours. I'm submitting myself to you. He says, the Lord bless you, my daughter. Remember I told you last week, my, my daughter is an endearing term. He's like, the Lord bless you, my honey, my sweetie, my sugar pie, my little Moab muffin. I don't know, whatever he said to her. Boaz explained, you are showing even more family loyalty now than you did before. For you have not gone after, say it, church, a younger man, whether rich or poor. He's like, you know, you're a righteous woman. You're a virtuous woman. You're, you're waiting on God's man and God's timing. You, you're much younger than I am. You could have went after a younger man, a richer man. You know, you could have done that. You could have hoochified yourself. You could have went to the club and went twerking. Listen, y'all, I'm going to have fun up here with or without you guys. So let's just, just keep it real. He, he's like, but you waited. You waited for God's man at God's time. Now, I love these words in verse 11. Now, don't worry about a thing, he says to this young widow. I got this. Don't worry about anything, my daughter. I will do what is necessary for everyone in town knows you're what kind of woman? A virtuous woman. A virtuous woman. But while it's true that I am one of your family redeemers, watch this church, there is, let's say it together, Another man who is more closely related to you than I am. Meaning, according to the law, he has first right of refusal. I would like to redeem you. I want to redeem you. I would love to redeem you. But there's another man who has first right of refusal. Can I just say what some of you are thinking? Well, crap. Let's just say that. We'll all feel better. There's another man. Well, crap. Some of y'all are like, I don't think we should say that in church. 
I'm sure you said much worse throughout the week last week. I'm sure many of you did. So take off your halo, all right? Let's be real here. It's like, what? What? We have, we've fallen in love with Ruth in this story. We've fallen in love with Boaz in this story. And now there's another man that could mess this up, a close, more closely related, who has first right of refusal. But he's like, don't worry about it. One way or another, you're going to be redeemed. That's how much he loved Ruth. He goes on, he says in verse 13, stay here tonight. He's not dumb, okay? Stay here tonight, and in the morning I will talk to him, this other man. If he's willing to redeem you very well, let him marry you. Everybody just go, oh. But if he's not willing, then as surely as the Lord lives, I will redeem you myself. Woo! Can we have a woohoo? Yeah. Yeah, he says, I'll do it myself. Now lie down here until morning. He's like, oh, here we go. Here comes the naked gymnastics. No, no, no. Verse 14, so Ruth lay at Boaz. Feet. No spooning was happening. She laid at Boaz's feet until the morning. She's a virtuous woman. He's a righteous man. But she got up before it was light enough for people to recognize each other. They were protecting each other's integrity. For Boaz had said, no one must know that a woman was here at the threshing floor. Then Boaz said to her, bring your cloak and spread it out. He measured six scoops of barley into the cloak and placed it on her back. Then he returned to the town. He, he, he gives all this instruction and encouragement to Ruth, and she listens to Boaz. Two things happen here. First, he encourages her. In verse 11, he says, don't worry about a thing. One way or another, you're going to be taken care of. You're going to be redeemed. I'm going to see to it. I got this. I got this. Don't worry about anything. Isn't that the same thing our Boaz, Jesus Christ, has said to us? He said this. Let me remind you. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 31, let's say it together, church. So don't worry. Y'all never worry, right? Not worried about anything right now? Health, wealth, house, kids. Our Boaz says the same thing that Boaz said to Ruth. Don't worry about these things. What things? What we'll eat, what we'll drink, what we'll wear, how we'll pay the bills, our health. These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers, people that don't have Boaz, that don't know Boaz, that don't know Jesus. But your heavenly father already knows all your what, church? All your needs, Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you, say it church, everything, and we like to stop right there, no, everything you need, not everything you greed, not everything you want, but everything you need. Boaz told Ruth, don't worry about anything, I got this, I've got it taken care of, it's all, I've got it all under control. Our Boaz says the same thing to us, I love you, I've got this, it's under control, Boaz encourages her the same way our Boaz encourages us to not worry about anything. Not only does he encourage her, he instructs her. He instructs her. He says, I want you to stay here through the night. I want you to get up and leave early. I want you to be patient. She listens and she obeys. Why? Because she trusts him. The same way we should listen and obey our Boaz and trust him because of what he's done for us. I love the story in John chapter 2, uh, one of my favorite stories in the Bible where Jesus performs his very first miracle. It's a, it's a wedding in Cana of Galilee, and they ran out of wine at the wedding. That's a bad day. And so he's like, I got this covered. You know, Jesus is going to keep the party going. And so he's like, go get, you know, five uh, jugs of water, and he turns it in, into wine. But what we sometimes miss is a, a very brief statement by Jesus' mother, Mary, that is so powerful. And whenever he says, go get the jugs, this is what Mary says to the servants in John chapter 2. Do whatever he tells you to do. Listen, Christians, that should be our Bible right there. 
Do whatever Jesus tells you to do. Do whatever your Boaz tells you to do. Do we listen to our Boaz? Do we trust our Boaz? Do we follow our Boaz the same way that Ruth does her Boaz in this story? And some of you can relate to this because you know right now in your life there's something that your Boaz, Jesus, is telling you to do. Will you do it? For some of you, your Boaz is telling you something not to do, to get away from, to stop doing. Will you listen? That's one way we deepen our relationship with Jesus Christ because we're willing to listen to him and trust him and obey him. You know, Ruth could have said no to Boaz. She could have been like, if you won't redeem me tonight, then forget you, I'm out of here. And it would have ruined the relationship. It would have been destroyed. But she deepened the relationship because she listened to Boaz, she trusted Boaz, she obeyed Boaz as he encouraged her and instructed her. It's a way that we deepen our relationship with our Boaz as well. You all with me? Say yes. I love this story. What a beautiful picture for us. But there's one more thing, and this last one may be the toughest. If we're gonna deepen our relationship with our Boaz, Jesus Christ, we gotta follow the steps that Ruth followed because of the instruction of her mother-in-law, Naomi, the matchmaker. She deepened her relationship with Boaz because first she prepared to meet Boaz. She submitted then to Boaz. She listened to Boaz, but the step number four, very important, Ruth waited on Boaz. She waited for Boaz because he's got to go talk to this other man. Look as it plays out in verse 16. When Ruth went back to her mother-in-law, Naomi asked, what happened, my daughter? She need, the matchmaker needs a report. Ruth told Naomi everything Boaz had done for her, and she added, he gave me these six scoops of barley and said, don't go back to your mother-in-law empty-handed. This is a smart guy. Now he's buttering up the mother-in-law. Then Naomi said to her, here's her response. Let's say it together. These three important words. Let's say it together, church. Just be patient. Don't we love those words? Just be patient. Just turn to your neighbor and say, just be patient. It's hard to even say, isn't it? It's even harder to do. She says, just be patient, my daughter, until we hear what happens. The man, what man? Boaz won't rest until he has settled things today, until he's talked to the other man. So let me catch you up. Naomi, the matchmaker, Ruth comes back to report. She's done everything that Naomi told her to do to present herself to, to Boaz. And she comes back and Naomi's like, how'd it go? She pours out the grain. She's like, it went pretty good, but not so fast, matchmaker. There's another man, a closer relative who has first right of refusal. So now we have to wait. And so Naomi wisely says, just be patient. Be patient. Don't we hate waiting? I hate waiting. I hate waiting. You know, I heard about the guy that needed patience and he prayed to the Lord. He said, Lord, please give me patience and I need it now. <laughs> we hate to wait for anything. We hate to wait in traffic. We hate to wait at Starbucks. We hate to wait at a restaurant for a table. We hate to wait on the phone. When we're on hold. And if you live in this community, would you all agree? We hate to wait on trains. What is up with the trains? It wouldn't be so bad if they would just keep going, but they stop. God must really be trying to build patience into this community because we're always waiting and we hate to wait on anything. And you know what? If we're honest, most of us hate to wait on God. We hate to wait on our Boaz, but we need to just be patient because our Boaz says the same thing that Boaz said to Ruth. I got this. I'm going to take care of everything. I'm in control. It's in my hands. It's not in your hands. It's in my timing. It's not in your timing. But we've got to be willing to be patient. We've got to be willing to wait. 
You know, we, uh, we've been waiting now for, gosh, going on about a year and a half, two years to officially break ground on our new property next door here to Prairie View High School. The land is paid for. All the financing is in place. The building is designed. The general contractor is chosen. There's nothing else on our end that we need to do, but we're waiting on the city. You know, somebody said to me the other day, they said, I know why Nehemiah built the walls in 40 days. He didn't have to work with the city. Man. Uh, but, but listen, I, I don't want to dog the city. I, I love this community. I love Brighton. They've really been great to work with and very encouraging. There's just a lot of bureaucracy and red tape that gums things up. But we, we're waiting on our building permit. We, we believe we're going to have it before the end of the year. We believe there's light at the end of the tunnel. We're very close. And we believe that the light at the end of the tunnel, we believe, is not an oncoming train. Okay? We believe it's the finish line. But we, we were debating, do we wait to do our ceremonial groundbreaking until we have our building permit in hand? And as I told you last week, as we're learning this story, we felt like God said, no, I want you to take a step of faith. You do what you can do. I'll do what you can't do. Amen, church? So we collectively, corporately as a church took a huge step of faith. Here's a picture. This is the moment that we ceremonially broke ground on our new property uh, last Sunday night. Can we just celebrate that right now? Amen. And we, we took a step of faith, and now we got to wait. So you guys, keep praying. The way to pray is pray that we get our building permit as soon as possible. We're hoping to have it by November. And so be praying. But until then, we got to wait. But it's in God's hands. And you know what? He says to us, I got this. It's all good. It's under control. It's going to happen in God's timing. And you know, we've called our building campaign the legacy campaign. Some of y'all help me with this. We're not just building a building. We're building a legacy. We're, this is a building we're going to pass on to our children and our children's children and some of your kids and grandkids are going to grow up in this, this church building. Many of your friends, coworkers, neighbors, family members are going to get saved at, at this place as you invite them to come to church. And I was reminded this week how significant this is for the next generation and that we're truly le- leaving a legacy because a mother in our church sent me this crayon uh, picture that her seven-year-old boy uh, colored. And doesn't this look like our groundbreaking? You got the mountains in the background, the sun was setting. I think that's me on the stage with a microphone and a bunch of hands or something. And you got the speakers and he just brought this to his mom and, and he colored this. That's how significant this is to the next generation, a seven-year-old boy. What a great reminder of, of this historic time at Orchard Church and what we get to be a part of. Really exciting. But we gotta wait. We got we to take the advice of Naomi, just be patient. And maybe there's something in your life right now that you're, you're waiting on. There's something that you have to wait on. Let me remind you of Psalm 27, 14 that says this. Wait, what church? Patiently for the Lord, your Boaz. Be brave and courageous. Yes, wait patiently for the Lord. Wait patiently. You know, it's interesting how things have changed from chapter one to chapter three in the story. In chapter one, you had a man named Elimelech that when the famine came and the tragedy, it came in the land, when the trial and the tribulation, instead of waiting on the Lord, he took matters into his own hands and it was tragic. He died and his two sons died. Now in chapter three, they're gonna have to wait and Naomi this time says, just be patient. Maybe she learned her lesson. We're not gonna make the mistake that we made in chapter one. We're gonna trust our Boaz. And maybe you're waiting for something in your life. You're waiting for a turnaround from God. Maybe it's something in your marriage you're waiting for, your health, your job, your house, your finances. Maybe there's something going on in your kid's life that you're praying, you're waiting for. Maybe you're waiting for the salvation of a coworker, a neighbor, a friend. Let me just encourage all of us this morning. We gotta be patient, amen? 
We, if we want to deepen our relationship with our Boaz to show our faith and trust in him, we've got to be patient. I was reminded of how God rewards us when we are faithfully patient. This last week, God did something incredible. There's a young family in our, our church, a young couple in our church, and they have been wanting a baby. We've been wanting to start a family for many years. They, they realized about six years ago that adoption was going to be their best option um, for, to start a family, and they started the process six years ago. It's a very long, arduous, expensive process that they were going through to, to try to, to, to adopt a baby. Um, a few months ago, they were finally paired up with another family. They picked, chose them um, to adopt their child. The mother, at about six months of pregnancy, uh, had a stillbirth, and she lost the baby. You can imagine how devastating it was to that birth mom, how devastating it was to this couple. They've been waiting all these years. They were chosen. They, they, they were waiting for the baby to be born like end of November, and then she had a miscarriage. Now they had to start the process all over again, go through the paperwork, be picked by another family, not knowing how long it would take, and they, they trusted God. They said, we're going to be patient. God knows. God's got, he's, he's got this. And little did they understand, but there was another couple that was expecting a baby that was going to be born at the end of September, and they chose them. So now they were going to have a baby sooner than the other one, and they, and they chose them. And it happened just a matter of a few weeks, very quickly. And many of you know this story, maybe not all of you do, but who I'm talking about is our worship arts director here, Richard Durbin and his wife, Rachel, that many of you have been praying for for a couple of years now, and they waited patiently, and I am so thrilled and happy to announce to you that... This happened on Tuesday last week. Amen. This is little Nora Michelle. She was born September 27th at 519, and now their family of two is a family of three. And God has rewarded their faithfulness, and God has rewarded their patience, and it was all in God's timing and I know they wouldn't change anything for the world. Pray for them. Um, they're in Kansas working out all the paperwork and legalities so they can come back uh, to, this, to uh, Colorado um, with their baby. But what a beautiful story of what God can do when we're patient, when we patiently wait on the Lord, that we wait like Ruth did in this story. These steps that we're looking at that Ruth took, they deepened her relationship with her Redeemer, with her Savior, Boaz. And they're the same steps that help us to grow and have a deeper relationship with our Boaz. As she prepared to meet Boaz, as she submitted to Boaz, as she listened and obeyed and followed Boaz, and as she waited on Boaz. May we apply these to our life, and may they deepen our relationship with our Boaz, Jesus Christ, in the same exact way. Father, thank you for this beautiful story. May we not forget that this is our story our love story, our romance story, our salvation and redemption story between us and our Boaz, Jesus Christ. And may we apply these steps today in a practical way in our life that, that Ruth applied so that we can deepen our relationship with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. As we continue an attitude of prayer right now, with heads bowed and eyes closed as we're praying, do you want to deepen your relationship with Boaz, with Jesus? Are you willing to take some of these steps that Ruth took? I'm sure the Holy Spirit of God is talking to some of you right now. You can relate, and you know what it is, how you need to prepare, how you need to submit, how you need to listen, or maybe how you need to wait. But can I pray for you right now? 
Would you just slip up your hand for prayer? If you say, yes, the Spirit of God has spoken to me. There's something I need to do. I need to take one of these steps that Ruth took. I want to deepen my relationship with my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, my Boaz. Lift up your hands nice and high all across the auditorium for prayer. Maybe you need to wait on something. God bless you. God bless you. Let me pray for you. Father, I pray that we would take the same steps of Ruth, that we would deepen our relationship with our Boaz, that we would pursue our Boaz the way he has pursued us, the way you have pursued us. May we be doers of your word and not just hearers only. May it deepen our relationship with our Redeemer, Jesus Christ. As we continue in an attitude of prayer right now with heads bowed and eyes closed, and we're looking around for just a moment. You know, it's interesting in this story that Ruth asked Boaz to be her husband, to be her Redeemer. And you know, that's the same thing that we need to do if we want Jesus to be our Redeemer. The Bible says in Romans 10, 13, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. He has provided everything for us when he gave his life at the cross 2,000 years ago. And he's just waiting for us to invite him into our life, to ask him to be our Lord and Savior and Redeemer. And, and some of you, you've never done that. But the good news is you can today. You, you can change your spiritual clothes today. You can take off the old grave clothes of the old life and put on the grace clothes of new life in Jesus Christ and you can call on him today and the way you call we call on the Lord is through prayer and I want to help you I want to lead some of you right now you know who you are the Holy Spirit is working in your life you know you need to invite Jesus to come into your life to be your redeemer if that's you today listen I'm going to lead you in a prayer that you can pray from your heart to God it's not a magic prayer or magic words but if you put faith behind it if it comes from your heart Jesus Christ will come into your life today he will save you he will forgive you he will redeem you He'll give you hope, and he'll give you a new life and a fresh start and turn around. If that's you today, you know who you are. Would you pray this prayer with me? And from your heart to God's right now, it goes like this. Jesus, I need you in my life. I'm calling on you today. I'm laying my life at your feet. I'm asking you to be my Lord. Be my Savior. Be my Redeemer. Be my Boaz. I want to know you. I want to grow in my relationship with you. Thank you, Jesus, for loving me and saving me. Thank you. So we continue in an attitude of prayer with heads bowed and eyes closed. Let me look around for just a moment. I don't want to embarrass anybody. I, I never want to do that, but I'd love the privilege and honor to pray for you. Is you. If you just prayed that prayer of faith for the first time and you called on Jesus to be your redeemer, I want to pray that you would grow in your relationship, that it would deepen from this day forward. Would you slip up your hand right now without hesitation? I want to pray for you. God bless you over here. God bless you. God bless you down here, sir. God bless you, young man, right here. God bless you, ma'am, right here. God bless you. On my left, yes, God bless you. A couple of people. Anyone else? Put them up nice and high. I don't want to miss anybody. I just want to pray for you. Say, yes, I said yes to Jesus today. I prayed that prayer of faith, and I meant it. God bless you, several people. Father, we thank you for those putting their faith and trust in you today, that they are inviting you to be their Boaz, their Lord and Savior and Redeemer. Lord, I pray that they would, their lives would never be the same, that this would be the turnaround in their life that they so desperately needed and that you have been pursuing. We pray that they would grow in the grace and knowledge of their Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, from this day forward, and that that would be true for all of us, that we would have the same desire that Ruth had to deepen our relationship with our Boaz, Jesus Christ. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your redemption. Thank you for your salvation, and thank you for this beautiful story of Ruth. And we pray all this in Jesus' name, and everyone said... Amen. Amen. Can we celebrate those putting their faith in Jesus today? Amen.
Amen. Now, very important, you, you listen to what I'm about to say. We, we ended with a step of waiting. Naomi said to Ruth, you just have to be patient. We still don't know who this other man is. Who is this closer relative? Who is this other man? Well, you're going to have to wait. Next week, we're going to close out the series in chapter four. We're going to find out who this other man is, and we're going to find out, is he going to redeem Ruth, or is Boaz going to redeem Ruth? So you don't want to miss this next week. You don't want to miss it. Hey, if you made a decision for Christ, and you raised your hand and said, I prayed that prayer, invited Christ into your life, please let us know about that on your connection card. Drop in the offering bucket when it goes by. We want to continue to pray for you, send you a little book in the mail. We want to help you grow and deepen your relationship with Jesus Christ. If you're a first-time guest today at Orchard, thanks so much for being our guest. Hopefully, you filled out that guest connection card. You can drop that in the offering bucket when it goes by. We are not interested in your money at all today, first-time guests, but we're definitely interested in getting to know you better. So fill that out, drop in the offering bucket. Um, We're going to send you a thank you note and a free gift in the mail for being our guest. Also, if you are a guest today for the first time or new to Orchard Church and I haven't met you personally, I would love to be able to meet you personally. I'll be hanging out in the courtyard by the white tent, so please come by and introduce yourself. Uh, Right now, we're going to continue to worship the Lord through our tithes and offerings. Thank you to all of you who have already worshiped the Lord through tithes and offerings by giving online over 50% of you. The rest of us will will join you today in that because we want to be a church who gives first, saves second and learns to live on the rest. Um, As you're watching the rundown, you're also going to hear about some other exciting things going on here at Orchard Church. I just want to highlight one thing. Men, let me hear from you. All the men in the house, let me hear from you. Men, men, where you at, men? Okay. We are coming up on our annual men's retreat again this year. You'll see the details on the rundown, but you guys are procrastinators, procrastinators. I know we talked about waiting. Do not wait to sign up for the men's retreat. This is something we do, do not wait any longer. Even if you can't pay your deposit, which is due today, at least get your name on the list. Go by the tent. Um, we're going to have an incredible men's retreat again this year. One of my uh, pastor friends, a church we support, a new church plant in Las Vegas, he's going to be coming out and speaking. He is hilarious. You're going to love him. Men, it's one of the highlights of the year for us as men. So sign up for that retreat. Don't delay any longer. Don't wait. Get signed up today uh, for that. So right now we're going to worship the Lord through tithes and offerings and check out what else is going on around here at Orchard Church. And don't miss chapter four as we wrap up our series next week as we find out who the other man is. All right? Love you guys.